Reading of Mark chapter 15. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for today's reading. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We begin to ask, what can we change in our situation? What things are beyond our control? What are our responsibilities in the situation we face? As we pray the serenity prayer, we learn to think in new ways. We learn to ask questions that will lead us away from our destructive, lazy ways and past into a productive future and believing that God controls all things. As we develop these new thoughts, process, we may lack confidence in our own wisdom and common sense. We may hesitate to carry out God's will if we are afraid of the criticism of the people around us. Common sense could be defined as our ability to figure out in advance what the likely consequences of our choices and actions will be. We are told that getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. We can exercise our common sense by thinking about what we can do and then doing the things that we can. A woman wanted to do something to demonstrate her love for Jesus, so she poured some expensive perfume on his head. Chapter 14 of Mark. The disciples criticized her for doing this. Jesus came to her defense with these words, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? She has done what she could. These are words we can cling to. God wants to renew our minds and help us develop wisdom and common sense as we try to sort out our choice in developing common sense. People may criticize us, but we can trust that God will come to our defense as long as we do what Scripture directs us to do. Chapter 15. Of Mark, <clears throat> Jesus, the trial before Pilate. Very, very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners of that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like for me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked, for he realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked him, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? Then the mob roared even louder, Crucify him. Even 
So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip and then turned him over to Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their, their knees in mocking worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to the crucifixion to be crucified. <clears throat> A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, The king of the Jews, two revolutionaries were crucified with him one on his right and one of his left. The people passing by shouted abuses, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yell at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridicule him. The death of Jesus. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lima, Sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of, the, of them ran and filled a sponge with sour with wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry, breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger Anne of Joseph, and Salome. They had been following followers of Jesus and had to care for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath as evening approached. Joseph of Arimatha took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. 
Joseph was an honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. So he called for the Roman officers and asked if he hadn't died yet. The officers confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and he took Jesus' body down from the cross and wrapped it in the cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been covered out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Amen. And now, notes about chapter 15. Pilate told Jesus' accusers that he found no guilt in Jesus, yet he handed him over to the execution. The Jews' strong emotions and Pilate's desire to pacify them all our costs led to the death of an innocent man. We have a lot in common with Pilate when we sacrifice the truth in order to please the crowd. We crucify Jesus. Our challenge in recovery is to stand firm in our faith and not succumb to cynicism, compromises, or moral laxity. When we take the first step towards relapse, we must recover our footing with courage and wisdom. Jesus suffered verbal and physical abuse. When he was spat upon, beaten, mocked, and nailed to a cross, knowing that Jesus did all this to provide a powerful means for recovery should give us hope. No matter how terrible our past actions or how great our mistakes, Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins. Because of his suffering, we can each have a true relationship with our powerful God as we grow in our relationship with him we will discover that there is sufficient power available for the recovery of all who truly desire it. Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to serve others and to give his life as payment for our sins. This is a key thought in Mark's Gospel. At this excruciating moment, the Savior bore the pain and punishment for all the sins ever committed. This is truly good news. Although we are never good enough to gain God's favor, Jesus' sacrifice provides provides the eternal security necessary for, to, for complete recovery. No matter how hard we try, we can never attain recovery from sin and its effects under our own power or effort. But with God's help, we can overcome even the most terrible sin, Dependency or compulsion. Amen. That was from the New Living Testament, the Recovery Bible. Please grab your copy. Amen. <clears throat> Some of the key points here that I see is that how <clears throat> incredible how the government, which was the Romans, had given up Barabbas, who was a, a fierce murderer. I don't know if he murdered a Roman or he murdered another Jewish man. It doesn't say here, but it's kind of interesting 
how much uh, Rome tolerated uh, Jewish people in trying to govern over them and work with them. Uh, but, you know, even though uh, Jesus took all our infirmities, all our sickness and disease and everything on his body, we have to read it, study it, and, and meditate on it to make it those words come true for us. Especially if we're sick or we're sad, writing those words on a journal over and over and over again, promises of God tend to be lifted out of the page, go into the spirit realm, go into our hearts, and change the situation we are in. The words we're writing down actually become alive with us and stay with us. For instance, um, Jesus took the penalty of sin. If you have trouble with sin, writing it over and over and over again, it will finally, something will happen to to our consciousness and the presence of God. Amen. Thank you very much. I think I'm done with chapter 15. Yes. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Amen. La sabiduría no tiene precio. Bienvenidos, familia, al estudio hoy de Proverbios 17. Vamos a leer las palabras del rey Salomón. Vale más pan duro entre amigos que mucha carne entre enemigos. El sirviente que se esfuerza se convierte en jefe del mal hijo y se queda con la gerencia que a éste le tocaba. El oro y la plata se prueban en el fuego. Nuestras intenciones las pone a prueba Dios. El oro y la plata se prueban en el fuego. Nuestras intenciones las pone a prueba Dios. El mentiroso le cree al mentiroso y el malvado le cree al malvado. Es una ofensa contra Dios burlarse del pobre en desgracia. Quien lo haga no quedará sin castigo. El orgullo de los padres son los hijos. De, la alegría de los abuelos son los nietos. Tan ridículo resulta que un tonto pretenda hablar con elegencia. Como que un gobernante piense que en su país todos son tontos. El que da dinero a otros para que le hagan favores cree tener una varita mágica para conseguir siempre lo que quiere. Quien perdona gana un amigo, quien no perdona gana un enemigo. Versículo 10. El que es inteligente con un regaño aprende. Pero el que es necio 
ni con cien golpes, ¿se entiende? El que es revoltoso siempre anda buscando pelea, pero un día se enfrentará con un adversario más cruel. El necio que cree tener la razón es más peligroso que una osa que defiende a sus cachorros. Al que es mal agradecido, mal agradecido, siempre le irá mal. Esa es la forma de que Dios hizo una ley en el cielo que no la podemos mirar. Si no es mal criado, siempre le irá mal. Mal criado. Se miran de que estamos hechos en la imagen de Dios y somos como Dios. Creamos nuestro futuro, malo o bueno. Yo quiero ser bien criado. <risa> bien criado que mal criado. O bien agradecido. Para que me vaya más agradecido el camino. 14. Si comienzas una pelea, ya no podrás controlarla. Es como un río desbordado que arrastra todo a su paso. Dios no soporta dos cosas. Que el culpable sea declarado inocente. Y que el inocente sea declarado culpable. Dime de qué le sirve al tonto el dinero si no tiene entendimiento. La sabiduría no se compra. El amigo siempre es amigo. Y en los tiempos difíciles es más que un hermano. Hay que ser muy tonto para salir fiador de otros. ¿Por qué pagar deudas ajenas? Dime quién pelea y te diré quién peca. Dime quién se cree mucho y te diré quién fracasa. Al que es malintencionado nunca le irá bien. Al que es mentiroso siempre le irá mal. Yo quiero ser bien intencionado, bueno intencionado, gusto intencionado. Placer intencionado. Porque ya yo fui mal intencionado y sí, me fue muy mal. Qué triste es tener el hijo falto de entendimiento. No es motivo de alegría ser el padre de un tonto. No hay mejor medicina que tener pensamientos alegres. Cuando se pierde el ánimo, todo el cuerpo se enferma. Dígame una cosa que si el corazón que está alegre, ¿usted cree que a ese corazón se le ha quebrado el corazón? 
que ha tenido defraudes, cosas malas, pues cómo no. Pero da gracias a Dios por la experiencia. Es la diferencia. Nosotros maldicen a Dios por la experiencia. Y de ahí se empiezan a, a derrotar y a enfermarse. El premio es que Dios nos da, nos da alegría en frente del fracaso. Pues dándonos gracias que podemos pasar por eso. 23. El malvado se vende por dinero, pero eso hay, hay tanta injusticia. Perdón. Por eso hay tanta injusticia. El malvado se vende por dinero. El sabio quiere más sabiduría. El tonto no sabe lo que quiere. El sabio quiere más sabiduría. El tonto no sabe lo que quiere. Cuánto enojo y cuánta amargura causa a sus padres el hijo necio. Con es, no es justo castigar al inocente ni azotar al hombre honrado. Hablar poco es de sabios. La gente inteligente mantiene la calma. Hasta el tonto pasa por sabio si se calla y mantiene la calma. Ahora nos vamos al Salmos. Leer un poco Salmo para darles más por su dinero por llegar hoy. Vamos a ver. Aquí nos va. Oración de David. Señor, oye mi justo ruego. Salmo 17. Escucha mi clamor, presta oído a mi oración, pues no sale de labios engañosos. Pronuncia tu sentencia en mi favor. Tus ojos ven lo que es justo. Tus escudriñas mi corazón. Tú me examinas por las noches. Ponme a prueba que no hallarás en mí ningún plan maligno. Mi boca no pecará a pesar de lo que hace la otra gente, pues yo cumplo con tu palabra. Del camino de la violencia he apartado mis pasos. Mis pies no tropiezan en tus sendas. Dios mío, a ti clamo porque tú me respondes. Inclina a mí tu oído y escucha mi oración. Tú que salvas con tu diestra a los que buscan escapar de sus adversarios. Dame una muestra de tu gran amor. Protégeme como a la niña de tus ojos. Escóndeme bajo la sombra de tus alas de los malvados que me atacan, de los enemigos que me han cercado, han cerrado su insensible corazón y profieren insolencia con su boca. Vigilan de cerca mis pasos presos a derribarme. Parecen leones habidos de presa, leones que caen al acecho. Levántate, Señor, enfrenta a ellos, derrótalos con tu espada, rescátame de los malvados. Con tu mano, Señor, sálvame de estos mortales que no tienen más herencia 
que esta vida. Con tus tesoros les has llenado el vientre. Sus hijos han tenido abundancia y hasta ha sobrado para sus descendientes. Pero yo en justicia veré tu rostro cuando despierte. Estará, estaré satisfecho al contemplar tu semejanza. Amén. La palabra del Señor. Ahora, otro, otro salmo. Salmo. A ver, a ver, a ver. 47. Vamos con el 46. Dios es nuestro refugio y nuestra fortaleza. Nuestra segura ayuda en momentos de angustia. Por eso no temeremos aunque se desmorone la tierra y las montañas se hundan en el fondo del mar. Aunque rujan y se encrepen sus aguas y ante su furia retiemblen los montes. Hay un río cuyas corrientes alegran la ciudad de Dios. La santa habitación del Altísimo Dios está en ella. La ciudad no caerá al rayar el habla Dios, la brindará su ayuda. Se agitan las naciones, los reinos caen. Dios deja oír su voz y la tierra se derrumba. El Señor de los ejércitos está con nosotros. Nuestro refugio es el Dios de Jacob. Vengan y vean los portentos del Señor. Él ha traído ruinas sobre la tierra. Ha puesto fin a las guerras en todos los confines de la tierra. Ha quebrado los arcos, ha destrozado las lanzas, ha arrojado los carros al fuego. Quédense quietos, reconozcan que yo soy Dios, seré exaltado entre las naciones, seré enaltecido en la tierra. El Señor de los ejércitos está con nosotros. Nuestro refugio es el Dios de Jacob. Aplauden pueblos todos, aclamen a Dios. Salmo 47. Aclamen a Dios con gritos de alegría. Cuán impotente es el Señor Altísimo, el gran rey de toda la tierra. Sometró, sometió a nuestro dominio las naciones, puso a los pueblos bajo nuestros pies, escogió para nosotros una heredad que es el orgullo de Jacob a quien amó. Dios, el Señor, ha ascendido entre gritos de alegría y toques de trompeta. Canten, canten, salmos a Dios. Canten, canten, salmos a nuestro rey. Dios es el rey de toda la tierra. Por eso, cántale un salmo de alabanza. Dios reina sobre las naciones. Dios está sentado en su santo trono. Las, los nobles de los pueblos se reúnen. Con el pueblo del Dios de Abraham, pues de Dios son los imperios de la tierra. Él es el grandamento, grandamente enaltecido.